And it's Eddie Matthews sitting in for Jim Chapman this morning with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlimmer. And are we left, right, and center? And, and what should I be this morning, guys? What? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> That's our first topic right there, folks. Uh, one we of the will, things... We will ask you a bunch of questions now just to find out where you sit on the spectrum. A quiz for you. Okay. Uh, I like fishing, but I always throw the fish back, so I'm an environmentalist. Um, <laughs> the left claims environmentalism. <laughs> One topic that, that came up yesterday, and it, it surrounded the body rub parlors and the legislation, I guess, that's, that's being proposed, or is it, is it official yet? I uh, guess it's, it's a law I now. It is it? law, yeah. yeah. And, and I was a little concerned whether this is an invasion now of, of freedom of, of expression, uh, of, of whether, whether there are any legal loopholes in this sort of thing, because this is one of those issues where I'm sure the lawyers are looking into this saying, yeah, I really would like to be first in line to get a hold of this case, because uh, they, you know, they want to keep a register of, of the clients who have gone to these places. Why, mm. you know, why should anyone care who goes into these places? Well, that's the question to ask. Um, uh, it, the very idea is, of course, let's face it, they want to get rid of these establishments, and that's the bottom line, and they want to do it in a backdoor sort of a way. Mm -hmm. I think they've just opened, opened the door to a wonderful uh, lawsuit coming back sure. on them, which, again, the taxpayer is going to have to foot. Um, I think these these laws take effect, as it May 8th or something mm -hmm. like that, and, and so if anybody's in that business now, they either got to clear out of town or, or, uh, out, I guess. or change the whole nature of the business that they're exactly. in. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, with regards to the body rub parlors and, and the strip clubs, because uh, they're trying to legislate those or at least get them out of town, anything to do with, with an adult lifestyle, I don't know whether they should really be involved with. This is a moral responsibility. Should the government be involved in that sort of thing? Well, good question. I, I guess uh, from the standpoint of the, the body rub, um, we talked about that last week. And from from my perspective, I am not totally unhappy with what they've done in the sense that I, I regret the proliferation in body rub parlors that we've seen in the last couple of years. Having said that, I am always very concerned about whether you can change human nature with a stick. Uh, for everything, or whether sometimes you have to use a carrot. And if you simply pass a law that says this is verboten, that doesn't make it happen. We saw that in Prohibition in it back in the 20s. You know, you pass a law and say there's no alcohol, well, you create the mafia. <laughs> you know, yeah. you create organized crime. Because human nature being what it is, there's, if there's a demand, it's still going to be filled, and it'll be filled in a more surreptitious way. But then we wonder whether organized crime is already involved with uh, with some of the clubs. We already saw what happened with uh, with recently at the Beef Bear. Now, there's no correlation between between the two but but in the states you know that's one of the things where organized crime seems to be involved with um, well wherever you have a restricted market or if somebody's you know like even limiting the number of clubs that gives undue uh, competitive advantage to those clubs that stay in the marketplace and uh, makes it possibly likely that more organized crime elements will get into it because they like restricted markets. They like us being paying as taxpayers mm -hmm. uh, to keep their competition away. It works yeah. the same in drug laws. I mean, to me, the biggest supporter of any drug law would be the guy who's pushing drugs mm -hmm. at the top. But I know we'll, we'll get people coming down on me, and, and I'll play devil's advocate on this, but if, if I'm an owner of, in, in, uh, in the article in they came out from City Hall. They don't want any of the body rub parlors around uh, churches, schools. Why, if, if I was a body rub parlor owner or a strip club owner, why would I want a church close to my 
my business in the first place. Let's just reverse the tables. Uh, why would I want to have a church? Shouldn't I be able to say to the city, look, I'm a, I'm a taxpayer. Well, why would I... Thing. I don't know if it's a traffic thing or, or whatever, but I know right on Warncliffe Road, isn't there an adult bookstore right beside a church? Right across That's the street. That's right, Oxford and uh, Warncliffe. Yeah, so That's what's right. the problem? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, is there a problem with having these two things side by side? I think uh, in the sense as long as it's all private and nobody's mm -hmm. uh, being forced to view something they don't want to see, I think all the proprieties of, of public uh, you know, decorum have been kept there. I don't mm -hmm. see a problem there. Mm -hmm. Well, that comes back to a balancing of interests, I guess, and I presume that, that, that churchgoers who, um, who believe that, this, that uh, the body of parlors are immoral and under their religious teachings and stuff would be offended by seeing them next door becomes a question of sort of balancing their right not to be offended to everyone else's right to sort of be where they want to be. Uh, and I suppose, like, I could... Schools, I'm sure, have to be, grapple that one a little bit more. But do we more. really have a right not to be offended? I mean, anything can offend you. And, and a lot of people are offended by the actions of so-called good, well-meaning Christians who want to close them down. That's offensive. I can pick up the newspaper any day and be offended by the news that I read there. Do I get angry with the publishers of the paper because of that? Yeah, well, I would argue that it's not that the church people have a right to say you shouldn't be near us because somehow they're, they're logically in the right. I'd say it's because they have the power uh, in our sort of Judeo-Christian society with a lot of our laws being based in sort of uh, the church and the church still having power in society to say, we don't want them nearby, keep them away from us. And there are politicians who will say, well, okay. We like the churches, and we don't want to offend well, them. Well, don't forget, it's the politicians who have the power. The churches may have the influence, but the actual person exercising the vote in city council is a politician, and that's where the responsibility has to lie. I don't think you can... Just because people have their interests, that's natural, and that's good. It's when politicians keep giving in to one side over the other. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't balance interests. What you balance in, in a society, uh, it doesn't even require a balancing act. What you do is you enforce individual rights, individual property rights, and, and as long as, uh, for example, the adult bookstore obeys, uh, obeys all the rules of private property rights and the church does the same, mm -hmm. They'll never get in each other's way. Well, one thing that I, th I think that you and I agree on is that it shouldn't be legislated in the way that it is. And from my end, of it, I say I regret the fact that they're there, and I'd be much more interested in figuring out what's going on. You know, why has there been this pr proliferation? And from my end of it, I'd be interested in sort of trying to get at, you know, what are the core reasons why there's suddenly such a larger demand than there used to be, uh, you know, uh, and uh, and try and figure out what that is. And I have some theories about what that would be, and I have well, a lot to do with the economy. Be an interesting. That could be part of it. I. Uh, it could be also with a major change in in basically people's basic personal morality in the last 20, 30 years. And that's the key word is morality. And with the current administration that we've got at City Council, at least with the mayor who has been... Uh, and I respect the mayor for... for uh, you know, I give credit to anyone that has strong beliefs as she has. However, I may not agree with those beliefs. I respect her for those, but I don't think she should be uh, speaking on my behalf. Well, that's what we liked her to do, though. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people voted for her on a very, on an issue that was certainly one of morality sure. in their minds. And uh, precisely, you know, and and we're always talking about how how elected politicians don't show leadership; they mm -hmm. don't step out in front of us, but they're always reading polls and governing mm -hmm. by polls. You know, one thing we can say is that certainly she knows what she believes and she's mm -hmm. doing what she believes, and 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 I agree with her. It, and it's one, th but it's one thing, isn't it, to to talk about it and say, you know, I uh, uh, I have no problem with. Uh, I don't believe in in uh, pornography or adult entertainment, but but to be shutting things down, 
that to me seems to be crossing the line somewhere. Well, it's, they don't even go all the way and shut things down. They take this halfway measure all the time. Yes. They, okay, we'll only have five, or we'll have six or seven, or we'll create mm -hmm. some bureaucratic nightmare of a regulation mm -hmm. to, to do to handle it. Mm -hmm. And as Cheryl Miller said, we only want to have control. That's the whole point. They want control. Now, what kind of person wants control of an industry that they morally despise? That means you've got to get into that industry somehow. You've got to be part of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, that's the whole Achilles heel of this whole logic, is that yeah. once the city gets into this, they're going to have to be collecting taxes. We've got to pay. Who's paying for all this extra policing and all this nonsense that we have to uh, look after now? Meanwhile, when you're in a car accident, you've got to go report your own accident. Exactly. Police officer can't come to your home. It, it's just absurd what we're doing. And for the extra policing, you know, Julian could get that helicopter, but all the proceeds are being taken away from that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like when the strip clubs, uh, before they were regulated to, uh, I think there's only seven allowed, don't quote me on that, but I think it, it's a small number. Yeah. But before that, they were quite proliferate, pro you know, all over towns, put it that way. <laughs> proliferate. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, but most of them died out. I mean, they didn't last long. I remember back in the early 70s, I used to work downtown. You couldn't walk a block without yeah. passing a strip club. That's right. I mean, they were the all Red over Lion the place. Uh, everywhere, every yeah. other corner. But shouldn't and I felt a heck of a lot safer downtown yeah. back then than I do today, which is uh, another irony of the whole situation. There was never a street problem with it. But in this case, of course, with the bylaw, they've gone a lot further than that in the sense that they're not saying we're going to come in and regulate this in the best interest of, of patrons, in the best interest of employees. We're not going to impose some health standards, what they've said is we want a register, we want a list of names and address of everybody who goes there, you know, no non-transparent clothing, we want no nudity. Effectively, they've said, we want them shut down. We want to make it impossible for them to operate. And what offends me about this is that if they want them shut down, they should pass a law that says they're illegal or not. You know, but don't try and do it with these half measures, with these these sort of uh, sort of wink and a nudge uh, sort of measures, because that to me uh, incites disrespect for the law. Everybody knows what they're trying to do, and they're not saying what they're going to do. I still think there's even some form of an acknowledgement at the root of. Uh the politicians realizing that what they're really doing is infringing on someone else's individual freedoms and their property rights and things like that. And so as to not look as bad as just stamping it out, they try to take this halfway measure, you know, try to please everybody type of approach, and that pleases nobody. Well, one thing that occurs to me about it is that I, I, I'm conscious that historically I think the lefties are the ones who are considered to be sort of licentious and the sort of they're not the moral upstanding people. It's the right wing, the moral majority, the religious right who are the hardcore holier than now types and so left wingers sort of laissez-faire and sort of you should live your own life and all this stuff and on this issue of, of where freedom gets involved in it particularly commercial freedom then it seems like the tables are turned and it's like all the left wing counselors who are lining up saying this is a bad thing it's immoral it should be shut down the right wing counselors are saying you know let the market dictate well, that's, that's exactly it i think the market should dictate what happens if if there's a need for it why not let it happen I'm not used to feeling like a prude, though. <laughs> no, it, it, it's funny, because the marketplace, you have to realize, are the people out there. And if there's a demand for this, where are they coming from? They're coming from the very community we're talking about, from the very homes that we want to keep these establishments away from. Mm -hmm. um, so there's just no two ways of getting around that. I mean, the, the demand is here. Uh, if you make things illegal, you'll just drive it further underground. It's going on all the time. Prostitution has never slowed down for a minute, regardless of what constituency and what country. 
uh, even in the most horrific countries where uh, a crime like that might be punishable by something very severe, it still goes on. Yeah. Imagine that. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in terms of enforcement, too, because if they are serious about enforcing it, they're going to have to devote a lot of resources, particularly initially, police resources, to shut things down, to policing them, to, to supervising, and so on. It sort of like reminds me of the uh, smoking bylaw in Toronto last year, where they purported to ban all smoking in restaurants. And the result of that was that, uh, I don't know where it stands today, but uh, last time I was in Toronto, effectively, there were no no smoking areas left because people just started smoking wherever the heck they wanted mm -hmm. in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said it would have taken an immense amount of police resources to come in and basically sh shut down every restaurant in Toronto uh, to try and cope with this. If you suddenly say, you sh thou shall not do something which people want to do, if you're serious about shutting them down, you better have a lot of police ready and spend a lot of time and a lot well, of money. Absolutely. It's a police state kind of thinking. Yeah. Well, let's take a break here and we'll come back and, and take your calls too as well if you'd like to be a part of the program this morning. 643-1290, star 1290, a free call for Cantel customers. It's Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK. This morning, Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer, and it's left, right, and center. This is Eddie Matthews sitting in for Jim Chapman this morning. We'll go to the phones and talk to Elaine. Good morning, Elaine. Hi, good morning. Um, I just wanted to ask either one of your guests if uh, their wives work in these places, massage parlors. And would they admit it? Well, no, but I'm <laughs> saying if they did, would it be okay? Because I think both of them are losing the point that a lot of the women that are working in these places, this is where all your welfare people went, are working in, um, in these places, which are prostitution fronts. Oh, exactly. I think it's terrible. And, and I think that what we need to be figuring out is what's going on here. And I think that one of the big reasons that we've got this problem is because we've had chronic high unemployment for almost a decade now. We've got welfare rates that have been cut dramatically. And I think a lot of people are forced into these jobs. And I've had lots of clients over the years who have done this kind of work, and uh, they don't like it, at least no, the ones that I've talked and this to. and this is where the problem lies. And it's also like it's a the sexually transmitted diseases everyone is seeming to forget. Like, Lane. it's not legislating morality, it's legislating health well, standards. Lane, Lane, why are you worried about this? Why am I worried about yeah. it? Because why are you worried about what other people are doing? What I'm worried about, because I feel really bad that young girls, single mothers, are forced into this type of lifestyle. This is what really bothers me. Yeah, this well, is an unhealthy thing for our society, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, like, I mean, this is what happens in other countries. You go to other countries, and they've got, you know what I mean, they're selling young girls and that. We don't need that in Canada. Well, like, that's this not is what's not going on Canada. here. And what evidence it, do you have of that? I've never seen that and, or heard of that. You've never heard of that, of them selling I've, children in places like Cuba and Brazil and... Not, we're, we're talking London, Ontario right now, aren't we? In That's a country right. where, and, we and have, we have a where we already problem have... in London, Ontario. And it's not... In, well, who's in it a problem with? You're right. The girls are allowed to sell themselves. But the men aren't allowed to, to buy them, which is the silliest rule I ever heard. But these women are forced into this lifestyle. Well, they what have evidence no other do you choices. have of that in London, Ontario? And in London, Ontario, what other choice do they have? Well, any other choice. Well, they can go There's all welfare, kinds of right? poor women. There was and a, then there if they're a single parent, I mean, if you're a single parent here in London, a mother, like if you talk to some of them, which I doubt you do, like they want to take them all down to Victoria Park and stone them to death. So instead of living like that, they go out and try to do the best they can so they get caught up in this here massage Okay, so, parlor. okay, Elaine, okay, so we catch a prostitute and her customer, how many years in jail should they go to jail for? Well, I don't know how many years in jail, but I well, mean, maybe they should put them? the man's name out. The like, I mean, they never seem to report the man's name. It's just like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're not going to do it. Well, we I certainly agree that's unfair. Anything but to that, his family. But that's only part of the unfair package of prosecuting the prostitute. I mean, it, it, you know, your body belongs to you. If you choose to sell it to somebody, isn't that your right? No. It isn't not, your not, right. Well, 
Okay, Who's right? Is it mine? Right there are lots of people right, who aren't able to make that decision. There are lots of prostitutes who are drug addictions. Is it against the law to infect someone with HIV? In Canada, uh, I would think I would like to think that if you did that knowingly, that it would be, and that would there, that there would be some liability on. Well, if you, you don't bother going getting a test, you don't know whether you have it or not. So, that's I mean, right, and that's and why it's a buyer beware market out like, there. I mean, they're sleeping with a lot of people. Well, so so if you want to protect yourself, you just don't do that. You you have to morality, you know, pertains to a person's own behavior. When I see a moralist telling me how other people are supposed to behave, that person ha knows nothing about morality, as far as I'm concerned. It's just where you draw the line. I mean, there are some people in London, maybe yourself, I don't know, that would, wouldn't bother them to see them having sex on the street. But some of us, it bothers. The problem for me is that I don't think a law is going to fix the problem. You know, if you just make it illegal, you drive it underground. What we really need to do is give, give women real alternatives. We need to give them real jobs so they don't have to do this. But then this what do you do with right, the guys? But, they, but, they but they're not going to do to that. You know they're not going direction. to do it. But with this proliferation of these here, I mean, there's one in every corner in London. And I mean, if it's not body rub powders, I know next year it'll come out under a new name, but there's something really terrible going on here. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, Elaine, thanks very much for the okay. call. Okay, bye-bye. You know, we're, we're talking about forcing these women. I don't think we're forcing anybody into doing anything. They could get a job any place they wanted. And if <laughs> they are, you know, there, there are a lot of fast food and convenience stores. Don't get jobs. me started on unemployment. Listen, we've had in Canada, well, in Ontario, we've had a million people out of work since 1990. Mm -hmm. Right now, there are, at any given time in London, there's about 40,000 people out of work. The mm -hmm. Canada Employment Centre says that there are about 500 to 1,000 jobs uh, at any given time. So you've got 39,000 people for whom there are just no jobs. Mm -hmm. Like no matter how you slice it, and people think that there are uh, these fast food jobs and stuff. There just ain't. You know, there there are a ton of people out of work, and they have been since 1990. That's mm -hmm. the real core problem. What we've seen, I think, is society deteriorate because of that. We've got to get these people back to work. Now there are different theories about how you do that, mm -hmm. but one way or another, if we didn't have the high unemployment, I don't think we'd have this problem. The other thing is the reason of demand. I don't think that everybody, every man, wants to go to a prostitute. You know, I think that there's a problem there too, and we need to figure out why is this happening. Yeah, I but think you're getting the prostitution off the streets, but you're also it, obviously there's a need if if guys are willing and need to go to a prostitute or a body rub parlor but why is there so much more need now than there was five years ago or there, two years there, ago? i don't think that has changed yeah. well, oh, well, it sure has. it's way worse than it used to be no well what's worse now is the visibility of it and that's the mm -hmm. only thing that the law yeah. can do what, what city council is trying to do is make the problem less visible if it stays underground and is kept underground they're quite happy as long as they have quote control over it which mm -hmm. means they can intimidate people they can you know run around like little fascists and do their thing mm -hmm. um, that's all it's about and I don't see that as being moral at all we'll go back to the phones and talk to Amy right now good morning Amy morning guys how you doing today good good, good. Um, I'm just calling uh, to make a comment on Elaine uh, she was saying that uh, single women who are I guess mostly the women who are working in these body rub parlors I haven't really been following it but they're forced into it and I have a bone to pick with that. I, uh, I've been walking in the malls lately, and there is a lot of jobs out there. Um, they're not great paying, but they don't have to go to the body rub parlors. There are other alternatives. Um, if I was a single mother, I would be a little upset about what she said about that um, because, you know, you're not, you're not forced into it. They're not dragging you in there, uh, making you go in there and work. Work. Again, part of the problem is trying to figure out what's going on in the economy based on a couple signs in the windows that the government tell us, and the government, you know, have all kinds of people who keep track of this, that there are just not nearly enough jobs around. And the situation has gotten a little bit better, although nobody expected when the recession started but in 90, see, it would be still going eight years later. But there, there's, there just aren't a lot of jobs out there. Unemployment comes at a price. 
when a person chooses what his minimum wage will be, some people will simply not work for less than $15 an hour, so they'd rather remain unemployed. They're well, not going to take... Ontario, they will. Well, s some that you know will, sure, and if the job's available there. But the, but the necessary thing here is you can get as much unemployment you want depending at what price. If the, if the wage is low enough, you'll find that there's all kinds of employment available, but nobody wants those jobs. Uh, the reason women may choose to get into uh, the sex industry in whatever way, shape, or to whatever degree they choose is because the money there uh, for the time invested is greater than for the time invested in some other form of job. But there and just aren't jobs going unfilled in, in London or in Ontario. That that's, doesn't hold water here. There aren't a ton of these extraordinarily low-paying jobs that are not being filled. They're all being filled. But then let's get back to, to the subject. Now, I'll throw this maybe at you, Amy. Uh. Do, you, do you look at this as being uh, with regards to the body rubs and, uh, and everything that's associated with it as, as a sense of supply and demand? Well... If guys, are, if guys are looking mm -hmm. for it, the women are obviously there to help with that demand, aren't they? It's, yeah. It sounds callous, and uh, it, it, you know, it's not a lifestyle that, that I would want to promote. However, that's the law of the economics with this type of uh, reality. You're right. But in this case, we've created a demand by creating an unhappy society. And, and a lot of people say that uh, prostitution isn't about sex. It's about loneliness. It's about unhappiness and these other things. We've created a society. We've got a, a segment of society who are just really unhappy. You know, and to That's me, an we've got to get working on that. We, we, and I wish we had a government who were going to promote happiness. Who's unhappy, though? The, the, uh, the Johns or the yeah. prostitutes? The customers. I don't know what you call them, but whoever the Johns, customers are. Johns, I guess. Are. Johns, okay. Johns, whatever. Well, if they're the unhappy ones, then we don't have to worry about the Because they're getting satisfaction right, right then and there. Well, this isn't the best way for them to get satisfaction. I'd far rather them have a society where they want to go out and do volunteer work with their time, where they want to be with their kids, where they want to be with their spouse. That's the kind of uh, London I'd like to live in. I agree. Well, that's the ideal, but you cannot condemn people who haven't reached your ideal. Uh, everybody goes through certain phases in their life, and, and sometimes you're down and out, and sometimes you're on top of the hill. Um, but to constantly judge people because they're not where you think they should be, and to I judge haven't said a word about them. I've well, said they're unhappy. That's not blaming them major, for their unhappiness. I blame the government. You know, we've got a situation right now where we've got theoretically three years. The past three years have been times of extraordinary economic boom times in Ontario. Yet for the average person, they haven't had a raise. You know, so, with inflation, so they continue to well, fall we, behind in their standard saying, of living. There's no reason they should be unhappy, and yet we have a government that continues to let that happen. You're saying that the guy that goes to see a prostitute goes there because he's unhappy, not because he's horny. Well, that's what I've been told by a lot of people and have read. Well, if that's, if that's the case and you want to cure people's happiness, then you've got to talk about a whole other issue than putting them in jail for being unhappy. I mean, the, the, then the argument for what you're saying gets even more ridiculous. I'm not suggesting you're, you put them in jail. You and I are agreeing. Well, what I would like to do is make them happier. I would well, like them to get raises. I would like them well, to be able to go out and get a car and have a house. Obviously that's what's going to keep them out of the prostitution houses. Whether you agree with them or not, they're obviously going to these houses because they walk out the door happier than when they walked in. Uh, whether you agree with that or not, yeah. whether you like, like the idea or not, uh, so what's your point? My point is that I'd like them not to want to go in in the first place and that there's, it's not that hard to figure out how to do that. We well, just Jeff, need to give I'd them like a better alternative. I'd like you not to be a left-winger. Should, uh, should I lose sleep over this and start asking you to make it worth my while? <laughs> okay, you think about that. We're going to break here. Amy, thanks a lot for the call this morning. I appreciate it. 643-1290 if you'd like to get on left, right, and center this morning with Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer, and we'll be back with more in just a moment on Talk of the Town. And it's another edition of Left, Right, and Center. Right now, just discussing the uh, body rep powers and also the, the whole adult entertainment. And, and from one side, it's gone to, do women really need to be doing this sort of activity uh, when they could be, instead of uh, 
flipping customers, they could be flipping burgers. You know, there, there do seem to be jobs out there, but, but this is the order of discussion right now. We'll go back to the phones and talk to Kyla right now. Good morning, Kyla. Good morning. I think that um, London's getting a bad reputation over this, but I don't think it's because there are body rub parlors. I think it's because instead of having a mayor and council, we have babysitters. Um, we're not allowed to make adult decisions on private consensual behavior. Mm-hmm. We're not allowed to do what we like because the word sex is involved. I find that a lot of people ask me, I moved up here from the States, and they're like, oh, my God, why do you want to come to London? Mm-hmm. London's so repressive. Well, years ago, there was a great politician called Pierre Trudeau, and, and I believe he stated that, you know, the government has no business in, in our bedrooms. And, and should that still be the case? Should we be able to make up our own private decisions on a morality issue? Certainly. We, we don't have body rub parlors in Victoria Park or on the sidewalks outside your school. They're inside their buildings. This uh, need a neck covering means a lot of street clothes aren't even going to be allowed. Well, this is, a, this is one big problem is that they can't even enforce what women... Where on the street, you know, if a woman now wants to go topless, she's, she's allowed, I believe, to do so. That's right, but that's because she's not asking for money. money. Remember, money is the thing that, pol- that makes a politician's eye open up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't care about rights, property, none of that. If money's there, then, then you get their action. Uh, it is funny, as Kyla says, though, about uh, London having a reputation for being uh, ultra-conservative and stuff, mm-hmm. but we've always had that reputation. Oh, sure we we're, we're just living oh, up yeah. to it <laughs> over and over. Yeah. How embarrassing. It's about, it's about sex. It's not about anything else. You can take your clothes off at the Beef Baron because, and there's plenty of money involved there, mm-hmm. but there's no sex allowed. There's no actual touching allowed as far as you touching the woman kind of thing. Yeah, but there's supposed to be no sex at the body rub parlors, yet we hear, and, and this is the, the area I have uh, contention with, is that we hear, it's all hearsay right now. You know, I, I don't care if they are having sex. Some guy wants to pay 50 bucks for a hand job. It doesn't affect me. It has nothing to do with my life. I'm a professional. I'm not in the body rub business. You know, there are some people that are. There are people paying their way through medical and law school by being and working in body rub parlors. I know a lot of women that have become physicians and lawyers that have stripped their way through to go through these schools. It's a means of making a lot of money quickly. You know, if it's a legal business, the city has no re- no right to come in and make it illegal because the mayor doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. It's not just the mayor, though. There's pretty widespread support. I think one of the things is a question of where does government draw the line of morality? Like, for instance, you can make a lot of lot of uh, money by selling crack cocaine, for instance. And oh, I think, I think where it draws the line should be drawn is if it's harmful to society. And if it's going on inside a little building, it doesn't have a damn thing to do with the rest of society. But then well, we're concerned with disease being spread, well, and then that becomes harmful to society. And at that point, people should, people should use condoms. Everybody yeah, should yeah. know that. People who are dating should use condoms. Everybody should know that. You know, people should be taking responsibility for their actions on, on that front. I am sure that'll, that if there, are prost- there is prostitution going on in these businesses, then those women are protecting themselves. I'm sure they're not ignorant. The other thing would be I would be strongly against anyone being forced into prostitution. There should be very, very strong laws against that. Um, But that's not what I see going on here. What I see going on here is that London doesn't want to have a reputation of being a place where people have sex or where there's anything sexual going on. Yeah, although London actually has apparently come to this fairly late, like Toronto's had these regulations mm-hmm. for some years, and a lot of other cities have. It's just it, what I I've heard is that London sort of got a reputation as there is no regulation here. This is an, an open market; it's the Wild West, and the expectation I think was that if you came here and got opened up, there would be a grandfather clause, mm-hmm. so you'd be allowed to continue, and then you would be in that regulated market that Bob talked about earlier, uh, and you could make a lot of money, but well, it didn't go that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, Kyla, thanks for the call this morning. Okay, I, I think this all relates to a lot of different things. I think people need to really look at it because, to me, it's how far does the government have a right to infringe on personal liberties. That's the issue with me. Yeah, good not point. Not the issue of what do you want in your yeah. community, but if it's not affecting you on the street, how far you know can they come in my house and complain to me about things? And at this point, they can. Yeah. I think that's the same thing that was going on with, with the halo and the pride issue mm -hmm. is that... Uh, we, want, we don't want to see it. If it goes back in the closet, then we're okay with it, but we certainly don't want to see it. Well, you know, wake up, guys. Good points, Kyla. I appreciate the call. Thank you. See you later. Yeah, I agree with, you know, with, with a lot of the points that she just brought up regarding Halo, and, and it doesn't hurt me. I may not agree with it. I may not like to see the parade. But it isn't bothering me. So well, and it's interesting. You know, well, don't, don't forget, there was no no question about whether they could have a parade or not. That was never an issue. The issue was the mayor's personal mm -hmm. proclaiming a gay right. pride week, which is a separate issue. I mm -hmm. think uh, that the human rights commission's violated her rights. Whether I agree mm -hmm. with her opinion or not is another issue. She's a, she's entitled to her opinion mm -hmm. too. Yeah, but then why isn't there a straight parade then? You know, it, I know oh, we have lots of them. Well, but, uh, <laughs> there, there you get to a totally other yeah. issue. But, yeah. As far uh, as the body rub goes, so it occurs to me that in a way, the the body rub parlors sort of they did take it out of the closet. You know, at one time they're, they, I understand they were around, but they didn't have big signs out front. In the last year or so, you've started to see signs at mm -hmm. uh, street corners and so on. I, in a way, they sort of uh, pushed the envelope a little further than than they turns out that they could. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I've used this phrase often in my <laughs> here, and because uh, it's so memorable, my uh, tax professor once saying that uh, the main rule for tax law was that uh, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can push something only so far, but when they start to, to sort of throw it in the faces of people, they sort of invite uh, a reaction, and, and they sure got it. You know it's going to be a real problem, and it's not in this city, but some there is one other city that's going through the same problem that London is going through right now. Mayor Rudy Giuliani in New York City is trying to clean up this particular trade. And you want to think London's got problems. Wait till they try this in New York City, <laughs> because that's a completely different lifestyle there. The lifestyle there is probably bigger than the city of London in itself. Well, if you can make it work there, you can make it work anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We should uh, move on and look at a few other subjects, too, this morning, too, including, uh, well, there was one that was in the paper, and it was regarding uh, lights, uh, video cameras, rather, at stoplights and stop signs to see how London drivers are actually doing. How do you feel about cameras being used to, uh, to help alleviate the traffic problems that we've had and then uh, catch the bad drivers, I guess? Well, I personally don't know whether it would even work or not. Um, I know that any time I'm out in a public place, anybody has the right to take a picture of me. I'm not going to argue that that's my right, although I understand there has been some contest on that issue. Um, if it's a safety factor, I guess they're putting these cameras, what, at just a handful of corners or something like that? Yeah, what, the, what they've talked about doing is putting them at the, at the worst intersections. And uh, I was struck, actually, by some of the statistics that, for instance, at Commissioners of Wellington, which is one of our worst corners, mm -hmm. they say there's, there's a, an accident there every two days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, it, it happens all the time. So what they're talking about is having a camera that would, oper would, would, would operate when somebody goes through it. But look at the volume of traffic there. You'd, you'd, you know, if you prorate that to all the other intersections for the same amount of traffic, would, does it really have a more frequent rate of accident? Well, I guess what they're thinking is, that, first of all, that they want them to be visible and people to be aware that's happening because they say there's a lot of people uh, going through red lights that these accidents happen for a reason mm -hmm. they're not just uh, a necessary occurrence so in, in that sense there's a temptation the other value aside from uh, discouraging people from going through the red lights is that then you've got a, a camera image of the accident you know exactly whose mm -hmm. fault it was and I have you no know. problem with that the the area of concern that I have is is the privacy law and and let's say 
let's say the mayor was in a car with someone other than her husband, would that be made available to the press? You know, I'd want to make sure that if, uh, if you were doing something illegal in the car, and I don't know if you could really do that at, at such a high speed, but if, if, if you were, say, smoking a joint, and, and some people have a very apparent way of holding a, a joint, that you could be, they could try to take you to court for that or try to charge sure. you with something The more information like that. the government gets about you, the more chances yeah. of it being abused or accidentally released when it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of the problem right now, and I think that I think this will come, and, and I, I, I'm sort of Orwellian, I guess. I think that ultimately we will have cameras everywhere we go, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of people don't seem to realize that there are already cameras all over yeah. the place. Every time you go to a bank machine, you've got yeah. a camera watching you. I want to go to the phone because uh, Sam is on a cell phone, and he's a former bouncer at uh, one of the local strip clubs. How are you doing, Sam? Not bad. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. What do you think of the, the the comments this morning regarding the the strip clubs and the body rub parlors? Oh well, I just tuned in your program about 15 minutes ago, so I've missed most of it today. Um, but as I said, I used to work at some of the local strip clubs around here, and a lot of these girls. I heard your show yesterday, and there was this lady on there that called all these women whores, mm-hmm. and pardon my language. Um, a lot of these women are not that. Some, granted, yes, do things, but on the side and sometimes in the club, sometimes not in the club. But uh, a lot of these girls are just there temporarily to put themselves through school and do the best for themselves, their spouse, and or their kids. Mm-hmm. So what you've seen, it, the, it, it's usually the minority that are really giving the, the trade a bad name. It's, it's the girls that are trying to help themselves that are getting the bad name. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a bouncer and uh, a professional bouncer, I would think uh, a lot of these girls came to me and said, you know, I'm here, I'm doing this, I'm not on salary, I'm starting at 9 o'clock or 9.30, I'm working until close, could you keep a special extra eye on me sort of thing right. to make sure nothing happens? Mm-hmm. And they tip you out at the end of the night for that. Yeah. Do you get police or, or officials coming in just checking out the clubs to make sure everything's on the up and up? Uh, when I worked at the clubs, there has been, yes. Whether they be plain clothes or in uniform, I've seen them both. Mm-hmm. They've come in, they've identified themselves. We're just going to take a stroll around. It's carry on, help yourself. And are they acting like a heavy or are they just, you know, treating they're, you they're with respect? Like, if they're plain clothes, they're acting like a customer. Yeah. If they're in uniform, they just take a walk around, they talk, they chit chat. They, they don't play tough guys. They're, they're there to, to respect the public, same as the public should respect them. If you're looking at this from an outsider's standpoint, what, what concerns do you have? Do you share the same concerns with some of the people that have called in? For? With regards to strip clubs and, and how we, we see them in the community. Because they do pay uh, their taxes, it is legal to go there. It, it is legal to go there, and uh, if... Uh, a lot of the people saying that uh, the girls aren't forced to do this. No, they're there of their own choice. Mm-hmm. But if uh, you want to see them lower down or become less and less, uh, the, the cost of a table dance is 10 bucks. The cost of a private table dance is 20 bucks. The cost of a private booth can be 50 bucks and up. Mm-hmm. The cost of a feature to do one song to strip in, your, in front of you is, starts around $250 per song. You should lower some of these prices down. You're going to see less girls in there trying to make money or do this kind of living. But Sam, thanks a lot for the call this morning. Good to Thank hear from you. you. Thanks a lot. 643-1290 gets you on to left, right, and center this morning. We'll take a break here. Be back with more in just a moment on Talk of the Town. Covering a variety of topics this morning, but we've just moved on to uh, the cameras on, on street corners and whether that'll be beneficial. Do you, do you think that it's going to help out with, uh, with drivers knowing that, okay, straight ahead of me is, is a camera. Should I run this red light, or should I just be stuck in the middle of the road here? 
Well, I guess that's a choice that only affects people who run red lights, so mm. I can't really speak for myself. I'm unaffected by it one way or the other. Because even in Toronto, um, if you're out too far, you'll get a ticket. Look at for the that. toll highways. The toll mm. highways already have cameras pointing at you. Yeah. And uh, it was an interesting question asked of me the other day. Like, if you go on the 407 at, say, the first exit, and you get off at the last exit at such and such a time, they take a picture of you at both ends. And they know how long it took. Ability. And they know how long it took you. So they'll know if you were speeding. That's right. You don't even need to patrol the highway for that. Is that right? And so maybe when you, you get, get your a, bill, you could get a speeding ticket along with it. Sure. Hey, what, a, what a cash cow. But I don't know if they're doing that yeah. or not. It just seems to me an easy way to do it. No, yeah, I haven't heard of it. But it's sure, that, that is something. And uh, back, in fact, when uh, photo radar was introduced in Ontario, the plan at that point, the Solicitor General had said he was going to blanket the province with photo radar. And uh, it was uh, technologically not a great leap to go from a still photo to a moving camera to a system where they could keep track of where people were. And if, if you know, the, the potential for abuse is there. If a government wanted to keep track of the opposition leader, for instance, they could... You know, tell from their cameras where they are in Ontario, oh, sure. what they're up to, and so oh, on. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's a bad thing for now. Although, as I say, I think it's inevitably going to come to us. And I think that what will happen is people will get more and more used to the cameras being around. So you go to a mall now, and you're being followed by a camera Constantly. all the time. Yeah. You know, and uh, people as I say people will get more and more used to it. And and there are advantages to it. In England, we've seen the case of the little was a two year old who was mm -hmm. murdered. That's right. Got it on film. Yeah. Uh, there'll be more and more of that. And I think it's the way of the world as it gets cheaper and cheaper and less and less obtrusive that we'll just get used to it and and will have it. But it does have some really chilling potential. Musicians were getting in very much involved in this. I remember, I think it was about five, five to eight years ago, Peter Gabriel was using a lot of proceeds from, from album sales and concerts. He was buying up video cameras and sending them to different places around the world so that if, if you were part of an organization and you felt that you were being looked upon, uh, or if there, you felt that you were fearing for your life or in trouble, then you could videotape everything around you and then keep a keep a message of that, keep a recorded uh, diary of what was going on. Well, it, it, say it has a lot of value as far as keeping people honest. I know that in uh, terms of picket uh, lines, for instance, uh, the standard uh, advice for the picketers is always make sure you've got lots of cameras around, you know, mm -hmm. that uh, cameras keep people honest. Uh, you know, if they realize what they're going to be doing is in the paper the next day, then they'll, they'll tend to be less likely to do it. Cameras keep the police honest, too. Remember? how many times mm -hmm. cameras have caught the police in actions that we otherwise would Rodney not King. approve of. Well, the, even the Rodney King, though, but we, we saw the, the 90 seconds or so of that video, but we didn't know what led up to that. Mind you, that was That's a, right. Well, well cameras can be very deceptive, too. Sure they can. <laughs> they can uh, be used to make something look totally different than it yeah. was, and it's also very hard to explain any background. It's very hard to say what the context is of what's going on. All I know is somebody's wailing away at somebody else, yeah. uh, you know, and that's that's all you need to know for your soundbite. But then on the other side, you know, we, we heard of uh, an incident in London this morning at one of the uh, the automated banking machines that someone had set up a camera so that it would look over your shoulder and see what PIN number you're using. And then they would make up their own debit cards. So, you know, it, it's how, how the system is being abused. Yeah, I think one thing is that the government needs to give a lot of thought to those kinds of implications uh, around this. You know, technology is changing so quickly. There are there are ethical aspects around it. It's not simply what's the question in Jurassic Park. Somebody had said that Jurassic Park had been written as a cautionary tale mm -hmm. to say, uh, you know, you shouldn't just take technology because you can. You know, that the, the one line is that, uh, you know, you did this because you could, but you never asked whether you should. Mm -hmm. And I think government needs to be, be thinking long and hard about that with this kind of technology. The technology is there. The question is how are we going to use it? And with the use of video a lot of you know a lot of celebrities movie stars are now looking into this process of of protecting their own image because we've seen there was a movie the Dustin Hoffman movie I guess where they created a war and they used a lot of chroma key like the, the dog yeah that's right and and it's it's that sense of I need my image protected because you could 
you, we could take all of our pictures and we could uh, electronically put it into an image where we don't really want to be seen. Oh, sure. There's a movie, uh, Rising Sun, with uh, Sean Connery, where uh, another Michael Crichton book, where he showed how easy it is to change what videotape is now. And in that mm -hmm. case, they changed the uh, face of the apparent murderer. That's right. Uh, and uh, they, they say, you know, you, you can't trust what you see. You know, mm -hmm. right here, we're just getting used to the idea that we should have these things around because they do chronicle what's going on. But now we're into the technology of morphing and changing. We're seeing Elvis on commercials mm -hmm. nowadays and so on. Fred uh, Astaire, yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, Forrest Gump, you know, uh, that uh, with that stuff, now it's a question of, well, okay, now we start to rely on this stuff and we find that we can't count on at all. Yeah. yeah well, if, if you're talking criminal actions and criminal crime, I think you're, you really have to rely on personal witnesses and stuff, who could be lying, too. I mean, mm -hmm. let's face it. it. It all comes down to the morality of the individual who's presenting you with the videotape or the evidence or whether it's oral, verbal, on tape, on, written. People lie on their affidavits. People lie on videotape. People lie on any means possible. If they're lying, they're lying. Mm -hmm. That's what the system's there to, to ferret out is who's, who's telling the truth and, who, and who's lying. And it would be nice if truth was a standard in court, but of course, a couple of weeks ago, I guess we agreed that wasn't the case. Well, no, and unfortunately, I think one of the, one of the real uh, temptations for law enforcement people is because eyewitness testimony is so, so unreliable. Even people who are acting as honestly as they can, uh, we perceive things so mm -hmm. selectively, and there's been all kinds of psychological studies sure. to show that you even remember things uh, in the context of the life you're living, you know, mm -hmm. that you see things in a certain way based on who you are. And and uh, it's not just lying, but it's a question of perception and uh, and what you think you saw. They say at any given car accident, just just to get the witnesses to agree on what color the cars were, uh, is something that rarely happens. So it's so tempting to say, well, here's a videotape. We know exactly what happened. Here it is. Uh, and from the standpoint of uh, of responsibility, again, for things like accidents, you know, if somebody has run a red, if you've got a videotape showing it, are they going to fight the case? Or are they just going to concede the point? Uh, there could be substantial savings. You don't have to rely on that fallible uh, uh, eyewitness testimony anymore. You don't have to rely on whether the police were fair or unfair. It's like, we got a tape. We know exactly what happened. Here right. it is. Open and closed case. And it's a matter whether the public accepts those things as objective evidence. From a, yeah. from a legal standpoint, can you see there being problems? Just because of the privacy issue, can you see that being a problem? Oh, sure. And there, there are laws dealing with when um, when cameras can be used and when they can't be used. And for instance, around uh, police stations and jails, there have been lots of video cameras for years and years. And there certainly have been cases, I'm uh, familiar with a case where uh, a constable was charged with assault in relation to uh, to uh, somebody who had been arrested and they had the videotape of him apparently assaulting the uh, the accused and the videotape was not allowed into evidence uh, for technical reasons uh, and I can't even remember what they were but it had something to do with the with the uh, way that the uh, camera was done um, so there are those kinds of things uh, there will certainly be court challenges um, but having said that I think videotape takes you a big step beyond still photos for instance it, it is a lot more uh, inclusive in showing what went on. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there will still be people who give long and hard thought to, is this really accurate? You know, and are, are there errors of perception? I know that, for instance, in the Truscott case, they said that the photographs they used to show the road uh, down uh, which there was a car parked, mm -hmm. uh, they said based on these photographs, you couldn't have seen what the color of the license plate was. Well, in fact, the photographs were small. You know, they didn't really accurately convey the sense of this big uh, uh, scenery. Um, so there are all those kinds of issues that will still come up. Um, you know, there are problems with black and white uh, photogra photographs, for instance. Although, again, the way the technology is going, it seems to me uh, that uh, it won't be long before you have, like, movie quality of every crime oh, that's sure. committed in a convenience store or whatever. And what I'm concerned about is because you see so many different TV programs about life in general, real life, that, so, and this is a, a far-fetched story, but, but it, you know, 
never thought there would ever be punk country. And, of course, Katie Lang brought that <laughs> a long time ago. But I could see down the road where some of these pictures would be incorporated into some TV programs. Did you see this car? that was involved in an accident and they could create as long as you've got moving pictures and you've got television you've got a tv program that you can create well and cops and all those kinds of shows are very popular where they Especially. show the, show the uh, actual film going on mm -hmm. and it has some utility you know the america's most mm -hmm. wanted where they reenact crimes mm -hmm. and so on it's true another issue that this raises is a question of regulation of private use of these videotapes mm -hmm. because or of cameras because they are so small you know do we have any such thing as privacy left and is it worth protecting and if so how can we do that and that's why the french and the mahaffey family are looking at right now is, is trying to protect their privacy because there there could be a chance down the road that the images the the videotape of their daughters uh, being involved in that in that horrible case could be could be brought back out again and that's that's got to be scary for them yep well not to the public i didn't think that was ever an issue that those no, but in, in court but if, if court, well if there's a reason for it, I can't mm -hmm. think of the reason, but that may be the case. I don't believe in destroying the tapes. They are evidence that until at least but things go wrong, though. The perpetrators sure and that's are what dead. worries me is that they're, they're, are, they're already worried about copies. Just, being just on the Bernardo case, yeah. there were the photographs in the sun one day of Bernardo in his cell. And it's like, this is totally inappropriate, totally illegal. There's no way this could ever get out. There are safeguards in place, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And yet there they are on the front page of the Sun. Mm -hmm. you know. And uh, sure enough, if uh, somehow these tapes are, are kept around somewhere, somebody makes a mistake and suddenly they're on the Internet. Yeah. It happens. And, and it sure happens. And we're also seeing that uh, some famous celebrities are having their head uh, superimposed on a nude body so that it makes you think that, yes, there's nude pictures of your favorite, uh, you know, Jennifer. Movie Einstein. star. Whatever. Yeah, movie star, whatever. Yeah. So that's, that's got to be a concern. It, I think this is creating a whole new industry now, for at least for the security, because you're now getting video cameras out in the schoolyards. You're getting video cameras possibly out on, on the streets. In a funny way, I think it creates a whole generation of skeptics in a way, mm -hmm. too, because they no longer trust what they see, because you know usually what you see was the most uh, emphatic point of evidence that you will take into your mind is something mm -hmm. that you see. Um, now that you know with all this technology, you have to be aware of it, that, that images can be altered, that uh, look at the person who's bringing you the image, that's very important, I mean, uh, the messenger becomes very important. Uh, again, with respect to cameras in public places to regulate things like traffic, I think that as long as they're used just for that, I can't see a complaint with it. But as you say, when it gets into privacy issues, uh, sure that's another is. matter. Yep. Um, I would see nothing wrong with the police uh, using a photo from a camera like that because some guys robbed the bank and you went through that intersection and got their picture taken on the getaway. I mean, why not? Okay. Uh, One other thing before we get out of here this afternoon is, uh, is the unemployment problem. I know you wanted to touch upon this issue. and and hope we can talk a little bit about it in the last remaining minutes that we have. Yeah, just uh, uh, maybe something to, to get into for another day, but briefly, I'm interested in um, just pursuing right now um, this uh, new book that Linda McQuaig has written uh, called The Cult of Impotence, Selling the Myth of Powerlessness in the Global Economy, and she talks about this natural rate of unemployment and how uh, economists uh, under sort of modern economic theory seem to say that you have to have fairly high unemployment to fight inflation, and that inflation is the biggest evil in the economy. And we've seen that, uh, again, uh, in this economic recovery we're in right now, where we had high unemployment during the recession from 90 to 93, but since then, we've uh, well, according to economists, we've been in boom times, and yet we've continued to have this very high unemployment. And she has some interesting uh, ideas about why that is, and she says that uh, the main reason it's the case is because that's what government wants, because that keeps inflation down. So that explains why we have unemployment insurance programs, minimum wages, and, it explains and why programs they've been cut so like badly. that to keep unemployment high. Uh, well, it explains why they've been cut so dramatically, but, uh, well, in a way, 
it does because you're right. If they didn't have any kind of programs for people, then you'd have open revolt, and basically you wouldn't do wouldn't have any government at all. Well, no, you'd have a lot more people willing to work at lower wages, which or 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 taking higher risk occupations, yeah. mm-hmm. or going into business themselves. But one of the things she points out is that the only way that we can have the extraordinarily high inflation that we have right now in investments and in terms of uh, stocks and, and uh, uh, that kind of thing, the only way that we can have the massive growth we've had, the massive profitability in the banks and so on, uh, and not have inflation overall is to have deflation in wages. In order for it to come out at zero, where you've got such huge inflation happening in investments, you have to have wages below zero in terms of growth in order to have a, a low rate of inflation, which explains why we've had this uh, strange dichotomy. inflation a little, a little loosely there. Uh, you know, the type of inflation we had in the beginning of the 80s and late 70s was caused by one thing and one thing only, the government printing too much money. Uh, when they stopped doing that, we basically licked inflation in terms of the devaluing of the dollar relative to its goods and services. But prices do go up despite inflation. And although we call that loosely inflationary, if a loaf of bread costs more next week than it did this, mm-hmm. we call it inflation. It may not necessarily have anything to do with the value of your money going mm-hmm. down. It just may be supply and demand. And labor is no different than anything else. You have a supply and demand that is regulated by the existing pool of available people and prices, which are wages and, and other things. Well, that's when I well, get concerned with the, going back to the days of wage and price control. Well, yeah, nobody's suggesting that we're anywhere close to that right now. What we're saying is a question of whether you should have inflation that's, say, uh, 2 or 3% or whether you should have inflation that's 1%. And the difference is hundreds of thousands of jobs, and, and nobody really takes serious issue with that. The, the thing that I found very interesting was recognizing that the government economists and uh, David Dodge, the uh, deputy minister of the town, all say we had to have high unemployment to keep inflation down because that's our main goal. And for me, what's most striking about that is that if they want high unemployment, then to me, they're the ones who should pay the cost of it, and we shouldn't be blaming unemployed people for being lazy. Well, then let's say this for next week yeah. when Jim comes back because uh, it's a great topic, and uh, thanks. Nice meeting you guys. Nice Thank you. And uh, we'll continue this next week, and I'll be back tomorrow morning while Jim is still away. For Ryan Spence, Derek Lowe, for uh, Jeff and Bob here, I appreciate the time, guys, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow morning. This is Eddie Matthews. Have yourself a safe and pleasant afternoon. Enjoy the afternoon. Some great sunshine coming your way. More Talk of the Town tomorrow morning after 9 o'clock.